0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another podcast of Ivy Knows Best. I am Eric Ivy here, and I want to go ahead and take a quick, quick moment to say what's up to everybody. I'm out there on this wonderful, wonderful Black History Month. want to make sure that we cover all your details in sports. We got everything you're looking for here today. So go ahead and hang out with me for a little bit, and we'll definitely get to that. Um, first and foremost, the first thing we're going to go ahead and knock out is uh, I want to say thank you to all of those who are listening, all of my listeners. All around the country, thank you all very much You guys are making me really push to go hard And I really want to thank y'all Because without you, I am nothing And now, ultimately, I want to take time to always give thanks to God For everything, you know, that he's bestowed upon me Now, as we go ahead and we get into this wonderful, wonderful world of sports today We're going to go ahead and we're going to look at a couple of topics that I was asked about And I think they're very much so entertaining topics for uh, the foreseeable future especially our first one here that we have. It's going to be about quarterbacks. I know the NFL season's over, but y'all need to stick with me on this because it being Black History Month and what we're seeing from the quarterback position is very entertaining and it's also very groundbreaking. So for the first time in a long time, we have black athletes at the quarterback position who are in the top 10. Okay, so and when I was a child, you know, when I was a teenager and younger, and I really was getting to know the sport of football, I realized we didn't have a lot of black quarterbacks. I mean, the three top black quarterbacks I could think of from my time as a child would have been uh, Donovan McNabb, Steve McNair, Dante Culpepper, and Michael Vick, right? It was those four. But thing with Dante Culpepper, he obviously fell out of the top 10. And, pardon me, and he wasn't really a part of the discussion, you know, the further down the line we went. Um, but we did continue to have, obviously, the Michael Vick experience. We had Don McNabb down there in uh, Philly, killing it and burning it up. And then, you know, Steve McNair, got rest of soul. You know, he had a couple of years there where he wasn't um, at his best, but he was still a very serviceable quarterback. But now uh, we look at the top 10 quarterbacks. Of course, we're going to have your Dak Prescott's. We're going to have your Patrick Mahomes. And this is in no particular order. We're going to have... You're a uh, big trust down there in, down there in uh, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, we have a great category of quarterbacks who are changing the way we look at the landscape. Uh, if, I mean, for better or worse, Jameis Winston. You know, even though he's, 30, he's, he's Mr. 30 and 30, still an amazing quarterback, great arm. He just, you know, needs to tighten up some things here and there. But for the first time in a long time, when we look at the quarterback conversation, um, it's changed now. It's changed. Uh, your top ten quarterbacks, you know, are are you know you you have to now put your black quarterbacks near the top, if not directly at the top. Nowadays, you know, there was a point in time where we could have you know had this argument where we would have said, oh, you know, black quarterbacks and you know you know they can only run or they're really good with their legs. But we're looking at guys like Patrick Mahomes, you know, NFL MVP. Uh, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl champion, you know, all these wonderful accolades that he has. And he's really changed the game. We're not looking at the game of football the same way anymore because a player like Patrick Mahomes has come along and changed that. And and especially with him being a black player, um, it's it's so different. It's so much different than, than we would really realize. OK, so when we look at Patrick Mahomes, um, we're looking at somebody who not only is God-given and God-talented, but he's out of this world, just out of this, uh, off the planet, off the spectrum, okay, when when we start talking about how we're looking at quarterbacks. So um, there's that. Then we look at also another tier of quarterbacks. Obviously, we just had Lamar Jackson, you know, the highlight reel. That is Big Trust down there in Baltimore. I mean, just amazing. A guy that that they looked at and they said – you know, teams, I mean, 31 teams looked at him and said no. They said no. They, they looked at this quarterback and they said, oh, he's a running back. He's a wide receiver, not, not a quarterback. He won't be able to read coverages. This sounds a little bit, you know, <clears throat> a little bit like what we, what we would think more so of what I like to call the plantation mind state um, of the NFL. You know, you look at black players and you only categorize them as certain things. Which is why we were, we really robbed we were really robbed of Warren Moon in the NFL as much as we could have. Now he put up tons of you know tons of uh tons of stats in the Canadian Football League et cetera et cetera. But Jesus, look how far we could have been had we had him twenty four seven. We had if he had been all in the NFL twenty four seven. He wasn't told to become a tight end or a wide receiver. It, it would be crazy. It would be crazy. And the QB conversation itself has changed. With the emergence of the black quarterback and how the game is played now, you have to be able to run. You know, before we were looking at black quarterbacks, going, "Oh, you know, oh he, you know, he's all right." Now, now, mind you, Quincy Carter, you know, was around. Obviously, Jacoby Brissett's around right now, and there's quarterbacks of of that mold who don't necessarily get the 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 same the same amount of um, the same amount of just do. As everyone else, I mean, Jacoby Brissett's coming up behind or off the back of Andrew Luck, okay. And Andrew Luck was, you know, the franchise quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. He was the next big thing, but then you know he took some injuries and he decided to retire. Well, now we have they have a black quarterback down there who's who's pretty serviceable. He's done his thing, you know, and I think that you know a couple more years at the helm, he's going to be fine, but. We also have guys, you know, like I said, like Dak Prescott, who gets a lot of a lot of media attention, not only because who he plays for and, and things like that. But he's also another one, you know, who's done who's done his just do with the quarterback position. I mean, if we look at him, we're looking at between him and Patrick Mahomes, right? Two quarterbacks who, you know, within the last four years have been to multiple playoffs. Both, you know, one's been Rookie of the Year, 2016, never missed an NFL game, you know, yada, yada, yada. You know, 30 touchdowns, the whole gambit, right? But that's a black quarterback that we're talking about. That's a black quarterback. We have a black quarterback who threw 50 touchdowns in a season. <laughs> like, 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 come on. Like, like, gone are the days or, or the dark ages where we feel like these quarterbacks can't do more than just run. I feel like Michael Vick was unjustly categorized. Especially when we start looking at Michael Vick and his ability to throw the ball. I think Michael Vick's stats, you know, would, would speak volumes for his ability to not only run, but throw the ball. Just, just, just throwing alone. He was able to flick his wrist and you'd watch the ball go 50, 60 yards off a wrist flick. Okay? Like, like We're talking about Michael Vick. Michael Vick threw for 22 four hundred sixty four yards in a career, 133 touchdowns, okay? That's, that's 143 games that he, that he played in his entire career with a 56.2% completion rating. These are numbers, people, okay? These are numbers. We're not just making this up. We're not just coming out of nowhere with this, but the game is so much different now. Now we're looking at guys who are throwing 50 touchdowns in a season, 30 touchdowns in a season, 5,000 yards in the season. And they're proving to you they're having QBRs of 99.7 or 97.7, 65% pass completion ratings. This is so much next level stuff, and it's all coming from the black quarterback. Had this been, you know, 20 plus years ago, would we be having the same conversation? Probably not. But if we're looking at black quarterbacks now, I man, they're putting up a ton of numbers that we can that we can honestly... Uh, respect. You know, now granted, granted, not all of them are great, but in your top 10s, if you look at your top 10 quarterbacks right now in the league, you're going to have Brady Breeze, you're going to have uh, Lamar Jackson, you're going to have Patrick Mahomes, you're going to have Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, who's another one. You know, you're going to have these guys. That's already six of your 10. Right, and I've named four black quarterbacks already. I, I haven't even I haven't even gotten into into any anybody else. Just just in, in, your, in your top in your top ten, four of those quarterbacks of black descent. That's your Russell Wilsons, Dak Prescotts, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, Lamar Jackson, and all four of them in your top ten. They have to be just just you know, unbiasedly speaking. You know, and it really just brings light to, you know, how little this league has thought of the black quarterback. And I wonder why. I wonder why. You know, I went through, you know, a long time where I'm sitting here thinking about these quarterbacks. and, and, And when we think of the quintessential quarterback and how great the quarterback position is and who plays it, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees will always come to mind forever. They will forever be on the tip of our tongue, and they'll always be the people that we look at. They'll always be the people that we for, first and foremost reach out for. Now Tom Brady has six Super Bowl rings that is untouchable, we will never ever disrespect Tom Brady, right? But when do we start putting, you know, the black quarterbacks like Warren Moon, even though he never won a title? When do we start putting him in the greatest of all time discussion? When does he get involved in the debate? You know, and it's not to make this a black or white thing, but the n f l has had a history has had a history of not really respecting the black quarterback and I think that's that's different now We're in a different age different time now we're looking at it like, okay, well these dudes can do their thing. look at doug Williams doug Williams was the first starting black quarterback to win the super Bowl first a lot a lot of love for him a lot of love, but you know he he's another one who who gets his due because he was the first to do something. But I mean, Jesus Christ. After that, we were we, we waited a while for the next guy to come along. I mean, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, we we're looking at Warren Moon once again when we're talking about Warren Moon here. He was undrafted in 1978. Okay, he was he was undrafted in 1978, and he went to the Edmonton Eskimos from 78 to 83, right where he racked up a ridiculous amount of numbers. Then we looked at him, go to Houston Oilers from 84 to 93, where he just was a nine-time pro bowler in his career between Houston, Minnesota, Seattle, and Kansas City, which which were the four NFL franchises he played for, nine-time pro bowler, 1988 through 1995 and 1997. He was the first-team All-Pro in 1990, okay? He was the MVP of the league in 1990. He was offensive player of the year in nineteen ninety, AFC player of the year nineteen ninety, NFL man of the year in nineteen eighty nine. These are all just things that he racked up um, as a quarterback playing that position after being told the same thing that was told to Lamar Jackson. Okay, now now if you wanted to add his 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 CFL uh his CFL record right his CFL record his five great Cups you know, two great cup MVPs. He was, you know, their most outstanding player in three, and, you know, and things like that. If we want to add that, that's a very decorated career. I mean, I mean, in the NFL alone, he had 40, 49,325 yards with a completion rating of 58.4, a pass rating of 80.9 with 22 rushing touchdowns. That's 291 passing touchdowns to your 22 rushing touchdowns. And this was a guy that they were saying couldn't play the position. Pro Football Hall of Famer, by the way, both in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Let's put some respect on players like that. Let's put some respect on the Russell Wilsons of the world, okay? All right? They call him dangerous for a reason. (coughs) This is a guy that's, for all intents and purposes, undersized, undervalued. And I think that at his position, he has changed. I think he has changed the way we look at a lot of shorter quarterbacks. You know, he's 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 all of 5'10", 5, 5'11", 5, 215 pounds. He's built like a running back almost. When I look at him, I think, okay, this guy's, you know, he's, he's rather stout built. But think about this. Since 2012, okay, he was drafted the third round the 75th pick. All right. In that time, he's made to seven Pro Bowls from 2012 to 2015 2017, 2019. He was a he's a Super Bowl champion, obviously. We know this. An NFL passing leader in 2015. NFL Rookie of the Year 2012. Uh, I mean, it just it, it, he he had an MVPS season this season, this past season we just had. Okay, and he was NFL passing uh NFL touchdown leader in 2017. But this is also, once again, a black quarterback who undersized and if we look at the tape on him when when he was going when he was in college i didn't hear a lot about russell wilson i'll be honest with you i watched a lot of football during that time and russell wilson was not one of the guys that was talked about i mean obviously he was a rookie of the year as well and i think it's i think it's nuts that we had that we had put this put so much of this on uh so much, so much of this stereotype on these players who who've broken the mold you know guys who didn't get the, get the first the first look Right. I mean, we, we, we don't got to keep, you know, we can we can keep going for days when we start talking about uh, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. And I, I'm one who thought that it was the system. I, I, I'll raise my hand for that. His first year, I was like, it's, it's the system. I mean, this, there's no way this is going to work. I mean, he proved me. He blew my mind this year. I mean, he had three he had over three thousand yards passing. He had 30 plus touchdowns and only six interceptions. With a QBR, with a QBR of one hundred thirteen point three, that that's near, if not the top of the league. Like, but this is a guy that we said was a, was a running back or a wide receiver. Is do we really feel the same way about Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield, a smaller, a smaller quarterback, hasn't put up those type of numbers. If we sat back in comparison and looked at Baker Mayfield's season. This past season versus Lamar Jackson's. What are we talking about? <laughs> what in the world are we talking about? Who who like like it, you know, your first full season as a quarterback, not only you're a pro bowler, your first team all pro in the MVP. Your first full sixteen game season starting. And this is a black quarterback. You know, we I think I think it really this this has really opened the eyes of a lot of people. And I don't think that we're gonna be looking at the black quarterback the same. I, I think it's a wrap for that. It's a wrap for that. Between between him, Russell, uh, Mahomes, you know, Prescott, it, it, it it's it's all it's different now. It, you, you can't look and go, Well, these black quarterbacks can't do this. Well, obviously they can. I mean, hey, two of the two of the four we just talked about. We're we're NFL we're are uh are are either NFL MVPs, All Pros at some point, you know what I mean, or Super Bowl champions. Like like this has happened. This this is on their this is on their ledger. We can't talk about them the way we would talk about them in the seventies and the 80s. You know what I mean? Like like Cordell Stewart in the nineties was one of the only black quarterbacks I remember seeing, like off the top of my head. You know, before we had the influx of you know Dante Culpepper and Michael Vick and those guys shortly after. Like, But I remember watching Cordell Stewart and thinking, okay, well, dang, this, this guy has abilities that these other quarterbacks don't have. Why was he a wide receiver first coming out of Colorado? I, I, I wonder how many people can really remember Cordell Stewart you know, from college the way that he should have been, the way he should have been remembered. You know, like, but, you know, we, they threw him as a wide receiver when he first got to Pittsburgh. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure his time, his time there taught him a lot, not only about the game, but about how they view him as as a quarterback. Like, like it's it's just, I think, I think it was nuts. I mean, he, he, he played, he played 125 games, right? He had a 55.8 completion percentage, 14,746 yards. Okay, he was a starting quarterback in 95. Starting in 95 with Pittsburgh, ended in 2002. Like, you know, like if you would have given him all the time you could really dedicate it to him. And honestly, in 95, he wasn't even really starting. He only had seven attempts at quarterback. You know, like he only started four games his first two seasons. The first time he, he started 16 games, they go 11 and 5. <laughs> and that's in 1997. You know, we're talking, you know, he had three. He had 3,020 yards, 21 touchdowns, and, you know, 17 interceptions, which I can understand where where that could be an issue. That's a turnover that's a turnover machine. But his opportunities, you know, were lessened by two complete seasons because they felt him better to be a wide receiver. And I think it had everything to do with the color of his skin as opposed to his ability at the position. You know, that's just, you know, the way I thought about it. You know, so. And I, I really take a lot of... A lot of thought now, you know. I have a son. My son likes to, you know, likes to throw the like throw the ball in the backyard here and there. And my son, you know, watches Patrick Mahomes all the time. You know, watches Dak Prescott all the time. Obviously, we're Cowboys fans. But I tell him all the time, hey, look, if you're going to copy somebody, okay, all right, because Patrick Mahomes is God-given talent. I know there's some hard work in there, but Jesus Christ, some of that stuff is just God-given. But I and I allow my son to watch him because he does things that I feel to be just amazing from the throwing from from the throwing standpoint, I mean, the guy, you're never out of the game. You need to score, to beat Patrick Mahomes, you need to score 35 points. You, you need to score 35 points. Like, like now that I think next year, moving forward, if you ain't got 35 points, you're not beating the Kansas City Chiefs as long as this guy's playing the game. But I think it's amazing just watching that, you know, <clears throat> that change, how different it is now. It's no longer what we thought it to be in the past. It's not. It's not a white quarterback's league. That, that those days are over. And I think it's a very good change. It's a great change. You know, no no disrespect to the Aaron Rodgers, you know, and the Drew Brees and the Tom Brady's and and those guys who are still going to be at the top of their games. They're still going to be top 10 quarterbacks. Their legacies will always live forever. But, you know, in the standpoint of football, we now change. The, the course of history has been changed, you know, and, and it's a very celebrated fact. And I love it. I love, I love hearing it and I love seeing that, you know in the spirit of black history month we're seeing our black quarterbacks getting the respect that they need all right and while we're on the subject of you know quarterbacks and and things of the sort let's look at this debate okay i like to call it the 40 million quarterback 40 million dollar quarterback debate okay i know i know i know i know but we're going to compare something because this is a conversation i was having with a friend of mine and my friend was telling me, you know, we were, we were talking about quarterbacks that are worth the full, you know, weight and value of what we would consider an exorbit $40 million uh, a year contract. Now, that's just, you know, comparing this to the current CBA and the current pay structure of quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, understanding. You know how the salary cap is set right now. That $40 million right now is a lot, even though we know as we speak it's going to go up. Let's go ahead and dive into uh, a quarterback that I know for a fact I'm going to speak on. You know, and we're all going to always want to speak on when we talk about $40 million. Uh, There's only two that I think are deserving, and there's one that's in this conversation um, that I understand you got to get your money, but you can't expect to get your money. You know, if you haven't accomplished some of the same things these these two quarterbacks have accomplished, okay? Outside of the, you know, the Tom Brady's of this world, the Aaron Rodgers of this world, the Drew Brees of this world, these guys are worth their $40 million contracts. Russell Wilson, you know, those guys are worth those big, big market dollars that we're talking about here. But I draw a question with one guy, okay? There's one guy by the name of Dak Prescott who wants to get paid his uh 40 million but we're going to examine his reasons for wanting this okay we're going to look at the fact that Dak Prescott is asking you know for an exorbitant amount of money even though they've walked back some of those comments you know regarding okay he never said he wanted 40 million exactly or things like that but you know let's just let's look at it let's take a look uh Dak Prescott uh two-time NFC East champion Rookie of the Year 2016, I think one of the more key plays or key things about him, he's never missed an NFL game. Not one time. Uh, You know, this past season, he's had 4,902 yards, 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, a 99.7 QBR, and 65.1% completion percentage, all right? He hasn't had a season lower, uh, you know, full season as a starter, where he has... Amassed lower than an eight eight an eight and eight record. He's a two time Pro Bowler and he has more wins than any quarterback he was drafted with. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive, and he that guy needs to get paid. This guy needs to get paid. I agree. However, however, um, there is a couple things that are missing in this. Okay, and I'm, when I read the next couple guys, I want you to just kind of you know stay with me here. <clears throat> Patrick Mahomes, sir Patrick Mahomes. We know. Super Bowl L.I.V. champ, Super Bowl MVP, AFC champ, NFL MVP, first team All Pro, fifty touchdowns in a season, two time Pro Bowler, two time AFC West champ. There's something that's missing. It's quite a bit between the two, but there's one thing that's directly missing from Dak Prescott that's not missing from Patrick Mahomes. And we're not, obviously rings are 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 a set aside. We're going to set that aside. Three letters. M-V-P. Most valuable player. Mike Victor Papa. All right. And not just of of the Super Bowl, of the NFL. And an all pro designation. Okay. All right. So I want you to think about this. His first two seasons as a starter, they're AFC West champs, and a full-time starter, and a two-time Pro Bowler. Both those years. First team all pro in one of those in one of those years. Dak Prescott has never been those things. Never. Now mind you, Patrick Mahomes is doing this without an Ezekiel Elliott. Without the outstanding offensive line that is the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously he had a better he has a better coach. I understand that. But even looking at it from that perspective, Patrick Mahomes. Clearly, without a question, deserves to get paid 40 million plus. I say 45, 46. I cripple a whole organization around a Patrick Mahomes. And I try to talk everybody else into taking whatever I can give him. Because that that guy is is that special. Now I'm not saying Dak Prescott isn't special, don't get it wrong. But Dak Prescott plays amongst Ezekiel Elliott. We've saw Dak Prescott without Amari Cooper, he wasn't looking good. Saw now we've never seen him without that full offensive, without that offensive line in some in some variation, even though you've had you know moments where people are out or in. He still has had some all-pro offensive linemen. He's had he's had that, you know, and it's across the board. You know, now granted, he has been one of the healthier quarterbacks we've ever seen. In his first four years, he hasn't missed a single snap. It just hasn't happened. He hasn't missed a game. He started, you know, and he's he's been rolling since. And I love the fact. That he's that kind of guy, but we take all those things into consideration when we're talking about this great forty million dollar debate. Okay, but, you know, let's let's just look at this. Okay, now <clears throat> let's go on to the next person. I think is forty million dollars worth. Where and and I want you guys to understand. Yes, he's the MVP. Yes, it's his first. You know, his first go round as a full time starter. But Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson adds so much to that team. You know his ability to run. His ability to throw all that, you know, you know, as a starter, full time starter for the first time, we're obviously we're obviously looking at him different. We know for a fact he was the MVP. We know for a fact he was the first team All Pro. We know for a fact he was you know a Pro Bowl this year. But we also need to understand that Lamar Jackson. No, and no offense to Dak Prescott here, Lamar Jackson is a better option at that position. He just is. <laughs> he just so far, he's proven, you know, one year as a starter, right? That he's a better option than Dak Prescott. So much so, he threw more touchdowns than Dak Prescott this year, which is thirty six. His completion percentage was higher, at sixty six point one, as opposed to sixty five point one. Okay, and and the only thing that Dak Prescott had more than hit more than he had was yards you know he had 3127 Dak Prescott had 4902 but here's the thing here's the difference Lamar Jackson made the playoffs and he has that one thing that Dak Prescott has never had first team all pro Dak Prescott has never been considered the best quarterback in a single season in his four seasons not one time and a lot of people look at the all-pro list and they don't understand. That means you are the best at your position. Period. It's it, For that one season, you were the best all-pro in that season. You were the best pro football quarterback in that season. Especially when you're on the first team. All right, Lamar Jackson was exactly that. and That's his first year. I'm at age 22. Now, he could take that to the bank right now, cash it in. and But, okay, cool. Hey, I got you an MVP. I got you an NFC North title. I got you all these things. Pay me now. If you wanted to walk in that office today and say that, I think the Baltimore Ravens will whip out the checkbook immediately. Okay? That that so I I I can understand, Dak, you want to get paid, but Dak, you don't want to get paid in my opinion, not I'm not saying you don't want to get paid. You don't deserve to get paid to the level of forty million dollars a year. Yeah, all those great things you've done, but let's 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 be honest here. We're not going to look at you the same way we look at Mahomes or we look at Jackson. These are guys who are up to get paid eventually. And they're going to change the market. The market is going to change because of these two guys. All right, folks, let's not let's not be foolish. Let's not think that that you know eventually other quarterbacks who are less deserving are not going to still get paid buku bucks because of the change that's about to come. The change in, the change in the CBA and all that that's all going to change. You know you know, the increasing of the salary cap, that's going to change. These quarterbacks are going to require more. And the going rate for a quarterback is going to be 30 million. And that's for a good quarterback. For a great quarterback, that number is going to be in the 40s. Now, if you ask me, do I believe Dak Prescott's a great quarterback? No, I don't get it wrong. He has good numbers. This is his first year being in the top 10, not top 10, top five passing, as far as yards are concerned, you know, and I think that, you know, you have a couple more years of that. Okay, then you, you know, you can add on some, some more playoff wins and some first-team all pros. Then we can start talking. Let's start talking business there, you know? So um, <clears throat> one interesting fact that I, one interesting thing that I did have, uh, one little tidbit was that both of these quarterbacks, or well, all three of these quarterbacks been in the top five, as, as I explained in the last segment. all They're all top 10, I'm sorry. They're all in the top 10, all three of them. Not a single one of them, isn't in the top 10. However, only three of them deserve, you know, only three of those top 10 on three of those four quarterbacks that we spoke of in the last segment deserve top 10 money or top tier money of the top 10. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's my dive into that. And, you know, feel free to disagree. I, I get it. You know, maybe I'm going on a little bit too hard on on Mr. Prescott, you know, on why he doesn't deserve. Maybe as a fan, that's something that I need to, you know, be a little more subjective about. But I'm not going to. I'm going to be honest with you. I think that Dak Prescott needs to remember that that is your team and your team needs all these other needs. I get it. You need to get paid because the NFL is not not about to pay you the way you think. You know what I mean? When we think of contracts, NFL players play in one of the if not the highest view league in American sports yet comparing them to their contemporaries their contracts are completely different it's completely one-sided to the point where the NFL players don't make without what I believe they should make for the risk that they take for as, for as long as they can take them you know that that's just that just plays into uh plays into another conversation we should have you know we'll, we'll dive in once I do Happened to get one of my co-hosts in the building for y'all. You know, and we'll dive in a little deeper into that. And while we're on count current events, let's go ahead and talk about the NBA All-Star break, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about that right quick. Let's, you know, let's let's um, break the ice with that one by saying uh, Aaron, Aaron Gordon's been robbed twice. Twice. He's been robbed twice. Twice he's been robbed. Two times. Not once, but twice. All right, he's been robbed twice uh, as as the dunk competition champion. I mean, there's no, I've never heard of anyone having those many 50s. And then, you know, <laughs> his last dunk, which I, I get the didn't completely clear taco fall, which by the way, seven foot five, but he got his, he got, he got his nuts near, near the top of that man's head. That that's some that's some good jumping ability. You get you gotta at least give him a fifty for that. I mean I mean come on, come on people, come on. What's the judging system on that? But that's not even all the rave because obviously I feel like dunk competitions are always subjective. I think that the last thing that you saw is always going to be the most entertaining thing that you saw, and it's always going to be the best thing that you saw. You know it's all you know because it's like we we all we're always a prisoner of the moment. When it comes to the next thing that comes along, right? Especially with dunk competitions. All right. Um. I believe it was Buddy Held who won your three point competition. Uh, if you weren't watching, uh, that was slightly entertaining. Uh, my man Trey Young, you disappointed me. <laughs> he disappointed me. Um. You know, he really disappointed me. Man, I picked Trey Young to win it, to win that three point competition. Um. But you know, my featherhead friend failed. OK, feather hair, my feather feather haired friend failed me on that. I thought that there was so much more that uh, was going to come from him and that. But it wasn't. I get it. It's the All-Star break. It's not a game or anything. You're not, you know, nothing's on the line. But man, you know, side question. What's up with his hair? Anybody know what's up with that? It looks like Fire Marshal Bill from uh, <laughs> from <laughs> from Liv- Now I can't really talk. I can't talk smack because I'm bald. But I mean that right there is just like, come on, you know, that's some other level stuff. I think I saw more of that than I seen shots going in from him. And I and I thought he had, you know, some of the best shooting in the competition, you know, by far. Especially watching him in the game. But shout out to Buddy Hill for winning that. Uh your skills competition went to a big time went to a big man down from Miami, which I think was dope. Uh watching the bigs, you know, get out there and, and get it, you know, really taking really taking away uh Something that I think well actually made it bigger made it you know I took away something from that that had a bigger uh, impact than I think you know the bigs are starting to be better passes than point guards I I know it sounds crazy just you know one 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 little sample size but point guards nowadays are all about scoring I mean you got some passing guys but your bigs are starting to be better passes than your point guards and your point guards big time. You're, it's they're big time, you know. They're big time. They are big time. They are big time, you know. And and that's and that's that's speaks volumes for you know where our bigs are going. You know they're they're going further and further away from the basket, and they're acquiring bigger and better skills. So, uh, you know, shout out to all the guys who won there, and obviously, uh, LeBron and his team, uh, were the victors. I mean, how how did y'all feel about about the fourth? You know, the, you know the Kobe quarter. You know, you know, allowing people just to, you know, you know, you play to a certain point, you know, to certain points as opposed to to playing toward playing towards the end of, you know, regulation. I, I like I liked it personally. <clears throat> I liked it. Also, the tributes to Kobe, those are pretty dope, Uh, you know. So his him and his daughter and all those lost Uh, still a big time tragedy, but still something I like to see. And I found very, very, very impressive. And uh, Kawhi Leonard. Winning the Kobe Bryant All-Star MVP uh trophy, which was renamed obviously this this past weekend, which I think was a big, big thing, because Kobe Bryant did indeed embody what it means to be uh an all-star. And you know, while we're speaking of that, I feel like when I watch the N like watch the NBA, right? When I watch the NBA and I look at their commissioner, right, I feel like the commissioner gets it. Like the commissioner understands what's going on with his players, right? Like, 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 stick with me for a moment on this. I know this is just a little bit outside of the, um, you know, what we were just talking about. But I remember watching the uh, the Clippers owner, you know, Donald Sterling, say uh, say some stuff regarding uh, you know, some real racist comments regarding, regarding, you know, his ex, his his ex-wife or girlfriend, whatever she was. And, you know, she was talking real, he was talking real, real spicy, right? (laughs) Real spicy, spicy, right? And the NFL, I mean, NBA stood up and was like, nah, we're we're not doing that. We're, we're not doing that. We're not, we're not gonna let you do that no more. That's a no go. I don't care how rich you are. They wanted him out. They wanted him out, and players protested. But they turned their, they turned their, the jerseys inside out. They did all these different things, and the N and the NBA's, uh, commissioner supported all of it, and he was swift with his decision to get rid of, get rid of this man. Mind you, Donald Sterling, you know, net worth of three point eight billion dollars, right? Billionaire, right? Owned the Clippers. And they, and they were like, I don't care. I don't care. You're out of here. What you stand for, we're not with that. And when we look in comparison to the NFL, it's apples and oranges. Roger Goodell, right, is all for, you know, making players, you know, subject themselves To things that they might not necessarily agree with, right? And we're not going to just really stick to just kneeling, but let's use kneeling, you know, or sitting or standing or however they feel, or protesting of some sort, right? The NFL puts major guidelines on that, even though it's a hot button issue for them. Like, you don't see the commissioner acting like he gets it. Even with the renaming of the All Star trophy, All Star Game trophy, like, it showed me that the NBA commissioner and the NBA. You know, as a league, they get it. The NFL is putting out so much product that everyone loves. And the funny thing is they're putting it out on the product of people who are protesting, who are of a certain race. And they're saying, hey, we don't like this. Colin Kaepernick said, hey, I'm not going to stand up for this. You know, Eric Reed said, I'm I'm not I'm not going to stand up for this. I feel like this is a problem and I'm not going to stand for the national anthem. And we've had an issue about that. Right. Ever since it started happening. Donald Sterling said one thing about black folks. And (laughs) Adam C was like, nope, bye. Nope. That's a commission that understands immediately. As soon as you say or do something that's crazy, player, owner, whoever, you're going to get this to the maximum. The maximum. I watched the NFL legitimately suspend, you know, Josh Gordon. Now Josh Gordon, God bless him. Josh Gordon like to get high. Okay, people. <laughs> he likes the weed. He loves the weed. I mean, it is what it is. But he got suspended for a year for getting. He got suspended for the rest. Of, you know, the whole season for getting high. You know, Zeke Elliott gets lied on. He gets six game ban. You know, you had you know other players who got smaller smaller uh, suspensions for other things. But when you look at these type of things, you're like, dang, bro. Like the NFL has gotten to that point. Outside of domestic violence and weed. Everything else is permissible. In the NBA, it's like, nah, bro. We're not doing that. <laughs> like, straight up. Like, uh, if we're not doing it, we're not doing it. It's it's no-go. It's a no-go. I I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But I view that. I, I see that big time. I see that a lot when I'm watching the NBA. I see that a lot when I'm watching the NFL. I just kind of was sitting back thinking. And I was having a conversation with, you know, with, with one of my friends. And I was asking my friends. I was like, hey, man, like. What's up with the NBA like why does the NBA seem like they get it <laughs> like they get it like have you, have you ever seen an nBA suspension that just doesn't make sense? Have you ever seen like an nBA protest that's just like the commissioner's question about how he's handled it like th- that's not a thing we don't have that that's not that's not what the nBA does the nBA the nBA has handled every scandal that I can remember as far as this current commissioner. Every issue they've had, they've they've approached it the correct way. There hasn't been a, you know, an unjust, you know, uh, suspension. There hasn't been any of that. It's been like, hey, look, you say some racist stuff, you're gone. Because guess what? Most of our players are black and you're not going to disrespect our money. Let's be let's be honest. He you could tell. Yes, he might. He may be he may have the interests of African-American players, et cetera, et cetera. But he knows for a fact you're not going to mess up the money. You're going to respect the money. I'm not going to let you disrespect the money. I'm not going to let you e- even mess up the viewership. You know, even though the NFL does have a lot of fans, you know, I can think of a handful of things where I look at the NFL and like, what, what are y'all doing? Like, y'all, y'all could have suspended, y'all could have done that a while ago. That suspension should have been had. That suspension shouldn't have went that way. Like, you keeping somebody off for kneeling, like, for what? Who cares? I mean, come on, J Lo put people with <laughs> people in, in in cages during during the uh, during the Super Bowl, you know, and that's to, and that's because she chose that time to protest, you know, something that has been happening here in America with the immigration and, and, and things of the sort. You know, just just a tidbit, something to bite on a little bit. As as I, as I think back, I don't know. I, I do think the the NBA pretty has has a really good, really really good handle on on how they do their business. And how they hold people responsible for um, their disrespect or even, you know, racism or or anything, I- any infraction that could be uh, detrimental to the league. They are handling that at a higher level than the NFL is. And I think that it's really good. I think the NFL should take notes. Uh, Wilder, Fu- Wilder Fury. Wilder Fury is another one that I want to talk about uh, as far as things that we do got coming up this weekend. Uh, especially we talking about Black History Month. First thing to come to my mind is to this day, to this day. Hey, you can feel that. That boy was talking that. Um, I want to take a look and take a de- take a dive back into this fight, man. Um, I remember watching the first fight and being kind of uh, kind of on the fence, man, like on the fence, but uh, I wanted to break it down. So I went back and I took a couple looks at it, checked out the copy box numbers and things like that. And and uh, I don't know. who I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're going to see here. Let's go ahead and break this down. Right. So uh, in our in the last fight, uh, Wilder and Fury, uh, I had I had I thought Wilder had beat him. Uh, I thought that knockout count was legit, you know, past 10. I think he was out of there. But, you know, I, th- I thought Wilder picked up the victory. But at the same time, since it went to the cards, I thought they were going to go ahead and slide it to Fury. And I'm going to tell you why here in a minute. Uh, when we look at the CompuBox stats. Um, you know, they had Wilder landing 71 of 430 punches. That's 70, that's like 17%. You know, it's a 17% of his punches. Uh, Fury landed 84 of his 327. That's 26%. Uh, nine of the 12 rounds, Fury did outland Wilder. That, that, that was was a thing. And, and, but, but Wilder had two knockdowns and both those knockdowns were superior. One of them was, one of them was, you know, short-lived ninth round and then 12th round which which is the one with you know that we thought thought he killed him. <laughs> I was uh, he's he's not getting up from that. But you know he did and I think that uh he fought on and he and he fought on well did uh the fury and um I think there's a couple of wild cards for this fight. I think uh one of the wild cards for this fight obviously is uh Fury's unorthodox movement and his boxing. If if he's smart, he he he'd uh he'd box he try to box his way through this, one. but there's one there's one thing, one wild card that Wilder always will have. And it doesn't matter who he fights and it's, it's his power, man, that, that he has the touch of fricking death. Okay. Like he can barely touch you and it's, it's a wrap. I've seen, I've seen him, you know, I've, I've seen him punch Arthur Spilka and he just touched Arthur Spilka on the chin barely and boom. And he was gone. Like it was, it was a wrap. And I, and I think that watching the more we watch and the more we see of, uh, you know, Deontay Wilder, the more we're we're, we're going to have to come to grips with something he needs to be a bigger star than he is he's an american fighter on american soil who's knocked out all of his opponents except one every man who stepped in the ring with him has gone to sleep and honestly we haven't given him enough love and i think that you know we we, we got to start doing that we really got to start doing that you know we we've seen, we've seen anthony joshua get beat We've seen, you know, we've seen all these other big time favorites lose. But Wilder is fighting everybody. He's fighting them all. He's he's legit lining up, taking everybody. And I was one of his biggest distractors. I was one of the detractors, I mean. I was one of the people who said, hey, you know what? I don't think he could beat Joshua. I said that. I said that. And then I watched him take out Ortiz, the boogeyman. Not once, but twice. And in both fights, he was down on the cards. But guess what? Guess what? Guess what changed it? That big, big right hand just changed everything. It didn't matter. It didn't, He he knocked the electrolytes off the scalp of Ortiz. You know, <laughs> like he just he just did him bad. It, it, just, it just doesn't matter what you bring to the table when you fight this man. He's going to hit you with things that you have never, ever felt. And you probably never will feel again. Now, now as far as me picking my winner uh, for this fight, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard one. Now, I think I think if if the fight goes like it went last time, I think Wilder's going to win. Because I don't think Wilder, you're going to be able to do the same thing to him that you did him the first time. I think Wilder's going to catch him, hit him flush, hit him clean, get him out of there. Uh, now, do I think that Fury can win if he fights the way he fought last time? Yes, only with a couple adjustments. Because... If you know anything about boxing, you know that there, there's there's this lull. There's you know, there's that quick, there's that little, you know, two to five seconds, you know, where things can go bad. And you know, Floyd Mayweather Jr., perfect example. He fought Shane Mosley, boom, got caught. Got caught. That quick, quick little two, you know, two, three, two, three seconds setup, bang. You know, the guy's in trouble. And that can happen. That happens a lot. So um I think that if Wilder if Wilder gets fury, the way he got him last time was obviously the last time he had a couple of those sec those lulls. If 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 water catches him, it's a wrap. But if Fury can minimize those those windows, I mean, really minimize them. Box on the outside, move his head, stay unorthodox, and don't really you know don't get cute, don't go for the knockout. You're not gonna knock him out. You you, you we we saw your punt, you saw you punch him last time a bunch. You're not gonna knock him out. Now anybody can get knocked out in the heavyweight division. That's the way the division is is built. Those big guys they hit hard. Everybody in the heavyweight division has power, but it, it you just you don't want to subject yourself to someone like, you know, like Wilder. You don't want to subject yourself to that type of punching power. You just don't. So you just, you know he needs to keep it moving and move you know move that head, stay out stay offline, stay unorthodox, and and he can really pick up pick up a, a, you know a victory, a unanimous decision, because he was out boxing Wilder until obviously he got touched a few times. So he wants to really stay away from that power as much as possible. But that's something I'm going to really be tuning into on the 22nd. Um, I'm going to take a lot of joy in watching that fight. And I think everyone who has the opportunity and the means to uh, order the pay-per-view, I think they should, you know, support our black boxers, man. Especially our black American boxers because he's from Alabama, so you know he's been through some things. So, you know, you got you got to respect that. You got to respect the guy who fights, you know, and not only did he fight for Team USA, but he understands what's going on. He knows what's up. You know, he 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 sees the things that are going on out here. So um, I'm definitely, definitely going to root for uh, Deontay Wilder. I'm going to pick Wilder to win this one. I'm going to pick Wilder to win this one. I think he's going to catch him. So uh, that's going to be my pick on that one. All right. You know, and the next thing that I, um, uh, that I think the next segment I think is, is amazing for us to go ahead and touch on. Um, some of these questions man I got I got people and listeners and I thank all y'all for all the questions that I that I get from you guys whether it's from text message DM uh email anything like that thank you all for your uh for all your amazing emails and questions that you guys send in and there's a couple of them that I do want to address and I think it was uh three really really big ones and they're all based off of our theme of Black History Month here at Ivy Knows Best and I think that these are these are ones that took me days. These are these are thinkers. These are for thinkers. OK, um, one question I had that I wanted to go ahead and address was who is the best black quarterback in the history of the NFL? OK, <clears throat> it's hard. OK, it's hard. It's hard for me to point out who indeed is the best black quarterback in the NFL. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I'm not going to lie to y'all. It's it, it's hard. It's it's very subjective. It's about what you love. Um, but I, and I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. But I'm gonna say it's between Warren Moon for me. It's between Warren Moon and Patrick Mahomes right now. That's like you know that's still really subjective. So I'm just gonna, let's let's just go with history. Uh, overall history, I think Michael Vick was an experience, and I loved him. <clears throat> Excuse me for what he was, but I think Warren Moon was a better throw of the football. Warren Moon was the system. Yeah, I get it. So was Michael Vick, but Warren Moon was so ahead of his time. Like if Dan Marino, He was like the black Dan Marino. If I had to kind of, you know, compare him to another player who was white, who was, you know, also almost the same. I'm going to go with Warren Moon for me. That's who the best black quarterback was. He meant a lot to the game, and especially coming from the standpoint of them saying what he couldn't do. Now, if I was going to go with abilities, the best abilities of black quarterback, pfft. I mean, Jesus Christ! Uh, I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go with I'm gonna have to go with Michael Vick's abilities because he could just flick his wrist, man, and that ball would go sixty yards. And he had that, oh man, the Michael Vick experience was something different. I mean, a lot of kids would never understand how much we valued Michael Vick because we watched him, you know, from Virginia Tech on in, and this is before you know. He gets in trouble with the dog fighting cases and all that. But he was just so different. I think at that position, just he really he was the blueprint for what we were going to see now, you know, with Lamar Jackson and, you know, and Russell Wilson, and all these other guys. They had to have looked at Michael Vick. It's, just, it's impossible. So those are probably be my two. One as the best black quarterback. The other as the best black uh, athlete as a quarterback. Now, uh, the next question we had here uh, was from a really good friend of mine. Athletes in the NFL, of all the athletes in the NFL, who is the best black athlete? Man. Uh, that's a big one. That is, that is a big, That one is, I am so torn with that one. I'm so torn with that one. But I'm going to say this. What I'm about to say to you by all means, does not discount anybody else's opinion and/or thought pattern, but I have a three-way tie. Yeah, I know, want, 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 three-way tie. I have one. Okay, all right, and and, and oh well, sue me. Welcome to my platform. <laughs> all right, where opinions aren't always the same, but it is what it is. I'm going. I'm going to say Barry Sanders was one of the best athletes I've ever seen. In my entire life. His ability to not have a line. But cut in and out. Like he didn't need. Like the hole didn't need to be there. Barry made one on the, on the other side. It, it just didn't even matter. It just didn't matter. Uh, another one. That I'm going to say is just God gifted. Was Randy Moss. Randy Moss. Uh, jumping ability. Speed. I mean. Next level. I mean we 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 really haven't seen that you know in in that way you know and he was doing it to everybody during his time man you, you know you got mossed that's a thing now okay you got mossed is a thing getting mossed is something like you know it's it's a it's it's a it, you know it 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 means something you know it means that something happened to you that you couldn't recover from and that's all because one person with so much great ability speed Jumping, catch radius, just out of this world. Uh, Randy Moss would be my second one, my third one. And I know y'all not, y'all, you know, I was kind of tied with this one. And the reason why I was tied with this one, I wanted to go between Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley. But I changed my mind with Saquon Barkley because I went with Barry Sanders. Even though Saquon Barkley is strong, fast, I mean, that guy is everything. I can't let. Go of what Odell Beckham is. And like, minus his attitude and all these other, you know, all these little crybaby features. Athletically speaking, he's 5'10. 5'10. When we're talking about in the world of Julio Jones's, uh, you know, Terrell Owens, uh, you know, Megatron, all these guys who at the position are 6 feet 2, 6 feet 3, 6 feet 5, you know, but and they're fast. I mean, don't get it wrong, Julio. Pfft, at that height, running that type of forty—that's thats un- that's, un- that's, un- thats ungodly. That that that's you know that's some other. You can't even. I don't even know what to even call that, you know. But I'm gonna go with Otto Beckham. Otto Beckham's abilities, uh, you know how fast he, he is off the catch. That I I'm I'm gonna go with him. Uh, and the fact that he's five ten doing that. He's not six foot three, six foot four. Like he, you know, even though the NFL might might have him at maybe five eleven. I don't see him as five as eleven. I mean, I pfft, I don't think that Odell Beckham is is anywhere near what we believe. I think they fudge the numbers a little bit, okay? Odell, Me- Od- Odell Beckham's speed, his, how strong he is, how good he is in and out the blocks, like he is just amazing. Uh, and I think that his his athletic ability is crazy, crazy, crazy. And I think that um, that that I mean that comes from having two parents who are, you know, who are ridiculous athletes. You know, and they you create a super athlete. So anybody out there who's ran track or, you know, play basketball and y'all love, go ahead and recreate, you know, the next super gene of a, of a child so we can, you know, talk about him here on here on our uh, here on our show here. Also, uh I think the most important question that I received uh and it's one that it's one that really touched near and dear to my heart as as a fan of bo- of boxing and someone who's followed the sport, participated, did things like that. I love this question. Okay, I can't tell you how much this question means to me. Okay, once I go ahead and get the email up and everything like that, I'll definitely be wonderful be wonderful to read this to y'all. Uh, and the question was what African American boxer has done more for the boxing culture, old or new, okay. So I know for a fact that in the in, in the spirit of Black History Month, we have to go with our love for Muhammad Ali for what he stood for. I understand that, but that's not going to be my answer. Okay. Now, when we start talking boxing culture just solely inside the ring as an African-American, nobody represented themselves better than Muhammad Ali. Okay. Yes. He talked a lot. Yes. He's the godfather of trash talk and backing it up, but Muhammad Ali is not going to be my answer for this one. Okay. I love him. He stood. He, he is, in my opinion, as a man, heads, you know, heads and shoulders above a lot of other people. Okay. But as far as changing the culture inside the ring, changing the game, Floyd Mayweather Jr. is the answer, is the answer answer, you know, because people are now getting paid, boxers are getting paid a lot more, I know you wouldn't have that without, you know, the Muhammad Ali's, you know, the 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 Joe Frazier's, you know, those, those guys, you know, the, the Henry Armstrong's, a lot of people don't know who that is, uh, you know, but, but guys like that, Ray Robinson, Joe Lewis, you know, these guys paved the way for people to really get paid. Okay. And, you know, the reason why I didn't go, speaking of Joe Lewis, the reason why I didn't go with Joe Lewis, um, as much as I love Joe Lewis, Joe Lewis, by far as the heavyweight champion was, uh, fighting in a time where you weren't even able as an African-American to go drink from the same fountains, go sit at the same tables, go talk to, you know, Talk to, you know, white women, if you were black women, you know, just, you know, for lack of better words. And he really exemplified what it meant to fight, you know, during a time when when they were getting people like Max Schmeling to come beat him. You know, Hitler was so, you know, the worst man in the world. Hitler wanted, you know, was happy to have Max Schmeling, who represented Nazi Germany. Who actually beat Joe Lewis the first time? All right, and here's the thing. Here's the crazy part. Joe Lewis was uh for the rematch. He was training, and someone said, "Hey, Joe, you know how you know how are you feeling?" He's all, oh, "I'm scared." You're like scared. What do you mean you're scared? Why, why are you taking a fight if you're scared? I'm not scared of him. I'm scared for him. And you know what's crazy? Joe Lewis destroyed Max Schmeling after that. Okay, like he he is to me. Joe Lewis changed just with that one bout. Changed a lot of how we viewed. Or how, how we were to be viewed when hate was on you, right? Muhammad Ali really took a lot of that hate on for the things he did in court. The things he did, you know, as far as Vietnam and I'm not going and no Viet Cong ever called me the N-word. Or, you know, all that. All of that means something. It means a lot, actually. And he changed the way we viewed African-American fighters. But when we start talking about changing the culture, him and Joe Lewis changed the culture in that manner, but Floyd Mayweather Jr. changed how we view defense, defensive boxing. So much so, I, I've never seen anybody really, like, spin their hate so hard for, some, for one player, for one fighter, I mean, and want him to lose, right? We, we legit, in our, entire, in our entire generation, Floyd has fought 50 fights, okay? He was getting over $100 million a fight. That was unheard of. In anybody's time. I don't care what race you were. Black, white, and different. Floyd Mayweather Jr. is completely a culture changer when we look at the world of boxing. So much so that boxers started aligning themselves with Al Heyman just because of Floyd Mayweather Jr. and his paychecks. So much so that we looked at Oscar De La Hoya, the golden boy, who got so upset with Al Heyman that he started... A cease and desist letter, you know, saying, hey, you're taking all these boxers. You know, you're you're cornering the market in such a way because you're snatching up all the guys. I mean, Oscar De La Hoya, you put on Canelo, you know, you know, Ryan Garcia. Now you put on all these other Hispanic fighters and no one ever got upset with you. And they shouldn't because you put up great fighters. Juan Manuel Marquez. uh, I mean, we can go on for days. Victor Ortiz. You had all these guys that you put under your banner. And Floyd even fought under his banner a few times. So he can get some deals done and, and knock out and knock, and knock some of this out. But Floyd Mayweather Jr. changed how fighters fight and how we view defensive fighting. People call it boring, but now we understand the master class because of how, just how good that guy is, right? Muhammad Ali changed it in the stance of, I'm going to say what I'm going to do, I'm going to be entertaining, and I'm going to do it. And you're going to want to shut me up, but you won't be able to. But we can beat you. That's one thing someone can always say. I beat him. No one can ever say beyond a shadow of a doubt. Maybe Jose Luis Castillo in the first fight could say that. But the record will still show Floyd Mayweather Jr. would be the ultimate culture changer in boxing. Even though we had other guys who I feel were better men than him. They They had greater lengths to go. They had more to change. They had a bigger fight. I agree, but I think when the culture comes down, when we talk, when we start talking about culture, the culture of the fight game itself, Floyd Mayweather Jr. changed that because now you got to get paid. Now, you, now, now, fighters can go and they can say, "I'm not fighting that guy. I can use the Floyd Mayweather Jr. blueprint, and I can fight the guys when I want to fight them. I can pick how often I fight." Back in Ali time, you had to fight whoever they said you had to fight. Hey, man, I, I just beat, I just beat, uh, I just beat. Joe Frazier. Oh, you know, you got to fight him again, you know, have having three, four fights, the same guy. Yeah, it's crazy. And granted, the landscape was different, but still Floyd Mayweather Mayweather Jr. by far changed the landscape and the culture of boxing. And a lot of people kind of forget the that the biggest part of it, minus the money persona, is the fact that this is a black man who changed that with the help of another black man and by the name of Al Heyman. Um, those those were all my questions for for you know from those who are listeners. Thank y'all very much for tuning in as always. Um, <clears throat> I really love doing this, man. So if y'all can keep subscribing and getting the information out, that'd be great. And we can just keep pushing this thing to the next level and start uh, you know, changing some culture ourselves. You know what I mean? Uh before I go, I do want to shout out all the black businesses out there doing their thing. That's uh that's going to be obviously can't stop my grind on the enterprises. All right. If you follow me, if you follow me, uh, on Instagram, you're going to follow me at, uh, Mr. Eric Ivy, and you'll see, I'll have all these people posted up, uh, B, uh, Nicole Harvin, shout out to her B Harvin designs. Uh, geez, so many people, just so many different, uh, black, beautiful black businesses with beautiful black owners who are, who are starting up, who have so much good product to get out here to the world. And I want you to all figure them out and see them. So if y'all follow me online, please do uh, hit those people up, you know, on my, on that, uh, on there. And I'll definitely, definitely have some of them on for our next segment. But as always, I'm Eric Ivy. I want to thank y'all very much for tuning in. Once again, Ivy's know best. Peace.